Hello, Deepak, and welcome to Starting Remote. I'm really thrilled to be hosting you. Thank you very much, Julia. I'm pleased to be here. Thank you. I was so glad when you, when you got in touch. And um, it's very nice how a lot of companies right now, companies that maybe have specialized in working in different fields, have are using that knowledge and trying to uh, transfer it to remote work. And you particularly have worked with a lot of contact centers in your life. So you are the expert in contact centers. And I was looking forward to talking to someone who really understands this kind of transaction and work and can give a bit of insight into how this works remotely. Um, we've been, so way back in 2005, uh, we, I was looking after about 30 odd contact centers spread across different regions. And the challenge for me was that uh, everybody is, we spoke about 30 different languages and we had about 25 or 30 different uh, uh, festivals every month. So that was a lot of eating and drinking around, around <laughs> these. But importantly, uh, the challenge for us was that we did the same thing in 350 different ways, which was not good for our customers and ourselves. And it caused a lot of traction. So I needed to put in a structured approach and I drew upon my own training to put in a structured approach to assessing the entirety of customer service delivery and being in a multinational uh, environment as well. Uh, we had different uh, people, uh, different teams doing different assessments across our team and across customers, but nothing holistically and ironically, nothing's changed over the last 25 years. Um, uh, they, they are starting to change things, at least the business uh, centers that I've been working in, uh, they are starting to, to be a bit more proactive in really understanding not only the customer, but understanding the employee as well, because I think that was one of the things that was missing <laughs> uh, in contact centers. But uh, yeah, it's 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 really great to to be to be able to talk to this uh, about uh, to talk to you about this. But I'm very curious: Did you always work in contact centers since you started your careers, or no? Because right now I think you have close to three thousand contact centers that you are working with. Yep. How did you end up working with contact centers and uh, being on uh, committees like the China Contact Center Standards Committee? How did you get into the business? Uh, look, uh, I, as uh, lots of, I tell lots of people, I just fell into it. Uh, and that was, again, because I wanted, you know, I was looking after these uh, centers and, and I realized that we needed a structured approach. So forward, uh, you know, forward back a few more years, uh, I started, I took, uh, basically, we took a, physical workbook, a checklist. And we thought, look, there's only a few of us. We can't multiply ourselves. So let's get this online. And I saw the internet coming in 2007 and 2009. And so I said, let's do, uh, uh, so between 2007 and 2009, we uh, developed this online tool to assess custom service delivery. Now, how I really fell into it was when I walked into a couple of centers uh, because I went about seeing a few, uh, in fact, one or two outsources at, you know, going back many years. 
uh, I actually found those conditions, uh, what I thought was similar to the uh, conditions of the 18th or 19th century. Uh, and they were pretty oppressive. Uh, and so I wanted to have a structured approach to assessing what our uh, what service delivery was about, because there are different elements that go into it. There's a technology, there are the processes, there's alignment to organizations, there are the channels of communication that you need to use, uh, there are the customers who we need to understand and how press. And, and then we also have this thing called mental health and safety as well. There's a physical health and safety, but there's mental health and safety because they, it's such a correlation between delivering good customer service, between caring for your employees and how you train and how you run your quality assurance uh, for, uh, to deliver the customer service that your customers want and your organizations can, uh, is designed to deliver. You care deeply about mental health in uh, contact centers. And I agree with you, if your employee, uh, employees are oppressed and they don't feel safe at work and they don't feel good, they don't feel that they can speak up, how can they deliver good service to their customers? It's impossible. I think they are learning the wrong behaviors and not having the right motivation to, to support customers. Did you manage to change any of that? I uh, yes, and and to to me, uh, a lot of my life's work uh, it gets very rewarding when you have managers actually being aware of what are the key. Uh, elements that are necessary to support uh, mental health within the center. So simple awareness uh, of, for instance, if, you're, if you want to change a shift, if you want to move it from 4.30 to 5 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, you want to have as much consultation as you possibly can because there are mothers, there are single parents, there are parents who need to go pick up their children. And if uh, at 4.30, at you know, if you move it even by half an hour, it causes significant stress, untold stress. In fact, it can even cause a revolt as it did in one center that we assess. Um, but that's about saying, hey, listen, you know, it's about engaging with, with your staff in that. Yeah, it might be good for your customer, but you need to be able to engage, uh, talk through, 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 through with your team to be able to, to change simple things like that. And that's, that's creating awareness. So when, for, for us, uh, when I see people, uh, customers using snapshots and working through the health and safety, the mental health and safety areas and understanding where they are can, you know, in relation to what it should be, that's very powerful because they, have, they are aware and they now know we, the steps that are needed to uh, to you know, maintain uh, mental health and safety uh, in the center. You started snapshots somewhere in two thousand and nine, if I'm not uh, mistaken, right? Yes. With an aim to standardize uh, service delivery in contact centers, but uh, this year you also started remotability. Yes. Did you start it with contact centers in mind? serving the same customers who are moving remote or how did you start remotability? Um, uh, so in, at the end of March, near the, nearing the end of March, I managed to squeeze back 
into New Zealand uh, on that last commercial flight, I think it was. And after a week or two, um, I found a lot of our customers, actually after a week, uh, I found a lot of our customers asking us whether we had checklists for remote working. Uh, and what they were asking was, uh, you know, do you have all of these, you know, what do you really check? And I'm going, listen, we've been doing this for the last 10 years. We've been assessing remote work based, remote work for home-based agents uh, for the last 10 years. And we've got all the structures, all the assessment areas that are necessary, starting with their physical, through to their, uh, through to the technology needs, through to how to manage and monitor or what are used to manage and monitoring uh, in terms of communicating internally, in terms of managing that digital divide, uh, in terms of mental health, in terms of the rigors and structures required, uh, and the communication tools and approaches that are required to manage a remote workforce. Uh, and, and, and of course, it dawned on me that there were now a few other newer regulations put out by the International Labor Organization, WHO, uh, the UN, and government standards like you know, UK, Australia, New Zealand, the US, uh, Europe. Uh, they all, all these had uh, policies put out. And what we did was we just incorporated all of those policies uh, into this new tool that we called remotability. Uh, and I'm very curious to go into it, but let me ask you first, because you've seen this companies slowly moving to remote for the past 10 years, right? It's not only this year that, that you have touched remote work. And I'm curious how many of the contact centers you were working with and so many of the companies and your customers were, already had people working remote? Uh, uh, we've had uh, roughly, uh, uh, roughly a third, 20 odd percent at our, mm -hmm. in 20 odd percent of our companies had some form of remote work uh, because of a business continuity plan okay. that was needed. Right. And those that survived the, the C-19 initial crush uh, are those that had business continuity plans in place and could move, uh, move to a remote work environment. Well, look, uh, certainly because it is, it is an area that I'm passionate about. It's an area where, uh, where the world currently does need uh, to be able to, to, does need to have the right information and tools to get it right because we are playing with people's lives. Uh, and, the, and if we get it right, we've got a productive world uh, and a mentally health and fit world. Yes. Otherwise, we are, we are at, if we don't have it right, we are challenged um, as individuals, as organizations, as governments. So, for sure. Um, for sure. And transactional work is a very specific uh, kind of work where you can work from home and you can feel that you're autonomous, but you're actually not because everything that you do is being tracked well, very thoroughly. Uh, yes. Yeah, well, look, uh, it, it is the case, but uh, I think referring back to the question you asked me about, um, you know, uh, remote work and challenges, uh, 
what we really also found was that one of the key drivers for remote ability was that we found that instead of assessing people who's either by who are by either by a phone or uh, supporting digital conversations with customers uh, regardless of the type of work that you did remote work is remote work and so what applied to the transactional worker applies to any other worker across the organization working remotely and whether this be full-time or part-time oh, it's interesting to, to to see that because in my mind there was a difference in the way of working and for me at least it but i haven't worked remotely in a transactional job right i have worked in a in a contact center but mm -hmm. I still, I was still doing uh, recruitment for that co uh, specific contact center. So for me, that was not necessarily a transactional job like uh, like my colleagues had. Yeah. Now, comparing the type of work I do and the type of work I've seen them doing, I feel like I have more um, autonomy and more control over my time because I'm not measured strictly on uh, how many calls I get or how much money I collect mm -hmm. or uh, how many IT issues I solved in a, in mm -hmm. a given amount of time. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm just uh, left to my devices, do what I have to do. And maybe I need to turn in a project in a month or in three months. Right. Mm -hmm. And how I split my time, no one really cares. I, I need to provide the results. Whereas for, for transactional work, it feels like every day they have to deliver something and it's mm -hmm. tracked and monitored. So even if they work from home, the time is not their own to control and to adjust as they see fit. So for mm -hmm. me, this feels that as that in my head, this is way more stressful than the type of work I'm doing, or it can lead to way more stress and, and, and mental health issues, as, as you've just said. But it's good that we have this discussion because now you can really give me a glimpse. Is this true? Am I thinking about this in the right way or am I totally wrong? Uh, look, um, I, I think we, we need to break that down. Uh, but the short answer is that... Uh, it is, it is different. Uh, yes, you're right. It is different. Um, if you are tied to certain hours, uh, whether you're a contact center worker or whether you are delivering, uh, for instance, on, if you're a nurse delivering services online because you can't get out, you are, con you are tied to those hours and you really don't have flexibility in those hours that you're committed to. But and also, if you're a knowledge worker uh, or and worker who's got different deadlines, that's uh, you do have the flexibility to work within them. But then you're tied to deadlines. And one of the key pieces that organizations are now realizing is that it is not what you do with your time, but it's actually what you produce in that time that is tasked of you. And that has been a challenge for many organizations where it has been traditional to see somebody coming at, come in at eight o'clock and leave at four o'clock. And if they stay till six o'clock, that means they were a hard worker, regardless of the output. And that is a challenge for many managers, many organizations to be able to define what is the output that is required of a person uh, to, uh, achieve whatever goals that the organization want, is, is aiming to serving customers. 
supporting. It's still surprising to me that that this is still an issue. I mean, I I know you've been doing the same because you've been creating standards and metrics and so on, but even as, for me as HR, we've always held the hands of the managers that hey, you need to set objectives. You need to give people a purpose. What are they working towards? What are you measuring them against? And it you do the same when you when you work remotely, right? It should be the output that matters. But indeed, it's still the interaction and it's still how much I have seen your face, how much I can see you're working and how much you're sitting in meetings and uh, yeah, that that uh, that matters, which is still surprising. It's, yeah, I mean, it should be a pretty easy shift, but it is not. You're seeing the same, I imagine, even with contact centers, which are measured thoroughly by, by, by their own customers. Indeed, uh, I... I, I... In this short while, we have found that contact centers have definitely adapted to the new conditions uh, much better than than uh, than other other members within within the organization because of several elements. <laughs> One important element is that they are continuously having interactions. Uh, with with the, either their customers and internally, and that's where, that's an important part of mental health. Uh, if you are a create, you know, if you are a copywriter or you're create doing advertising or you're doing HR recruitment, your engagements are a lot limited. So that element of mental health is is pretty important to as part of our remote work to to actually go on through, but that. I think probably dovetails into what remotability is about. Yes, for 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 sure. <laughs> Are you ready to show everyone what remotability is about? Yes. So let me. Uh, yes, Julia. Let me just get on to sharing screens here. So, yes, come March, April, instead of that one office, we now have hundreds, if not thousands, of different offices uh, spread across. You know, spread across a simple little town or right across the world. And the challenge is for us to be able to make sure that these organizations, that these little offices uh, have people, team members in them that can work safely, uh, that can work healthily, that, can, that are mentally fit. Uh, and that can work productively. But it's not just productively, but those that can work productive and be sustainably productive. So even though you might have a week of productivity or you know, what is called productivity, you can work eight, 10, 12 hours, put out, put out uh, you know, engage and put out uh, products, whatever you're tasked to do, it has to be sustainable. And this is those that, Organizations that can actually achieve this are the ones that are going to have a, have a healthy workforce into the future. And so um, what we've been able to do uh, is to use the same features and functionalities of, what, of snapshots, which is our core customer service assessment tool, to be able to deliver the functions and features and benefits of remotability, which I'll, I will get to in a minute. 
but it is important for us to stress here that remotability or remote work now straddles not only uh, the standard health and safety areas, it straddles human resources, it straddles, it straddles technology, it straddles uh, you know, well-being, it, it straddles um, uh, new ways of communicating uh, internally as well as externally. And um, so it requires a holistic approach to managing. And interestingly, uh, in these few months that we've had uh, remote ability going, organizations are, the key question organizations want to answer for themselves is, are we remote capable? Are we doing the right things that make us remote capable? Because uh, we've got, you know, we've got now new communication tools that have gone out. We got some new infrastructure that we've set up. Uh, we've got to combine our tradition, the tools that we currently have. Uh, of course, in the contact centers, you have what's called the you know, workforce management tools, and then across, you also have work, you know, um, uh, knowledge management and quality tools. Uh, all of these combined, but you also have element. You also have uh, your assets out there, people and, and computers and things, and there are elements of risk there that we haven't quite contended with. Uh, we overall need to know across our team at any one given point whether we've got a remote work capable for workforce. From an individual's perspective going forward, uh, there are two questions going to be asked of you. One is, what have you learned during COVID that you can now give back to the organization? Uh, or if you're being you know, a recruiter, we'll ask you that question. The second question you're going to be asked is, can you work well remotely? How well can you work remotely? And I think everyone says that, yes, right? I can work remotely. Or are there people who say that they cannot? Look, everybody will see, exactly. So how do you assess how they work, whether they can work? And this is one of our key uh, features of uh, remotability is to be able to provide a uh, remote work capability assessment. And, and I'll demonstrate in a minute or two. Uh, the, the, you can demonstrate that, look, we, these are the elements that go into my remote work, uh, uh, remote work uh, capabilities. And this is, what, uh, this is what I do. And this is what uh, I'm capable of, which then takes away uh, a, it provides recruiters, it provides organizations with some degree of comfort that, look, person A is remote working. They're not just saying it, no. Uh, that this is, we know that they're working well remotely or they can work well remotely uh, because they're committed to, to all of these things. They already have these uh, constructs in place. And, but I'll take you more through it uh, in a little while. Um, it, it's, we can go through the detail of it in a, in a in a minute or two once we cover these areas that what, what uh, remotability actually covers. I think I've already talked to you about how we've included the ILO, the UN, the, the different guides, including policies and publications from, uh, from the different governments. Uh, we also have 10 years of data uh, around work. And I don't believe there is uh, 
anywhere else, uh, and this is how I began to find you as well, because I was looking for uh, others to talk to, you know? Um, and so, um, uh, yeah, and, and, and we've not really found anybody that's got this data. Uh, it's it's very it's very rare for uh, someone to have been to have data on remote work for such a long uh, time. Uh, Maybe researchers. Yeah, so it wasn't design; it was accident. But we've got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so you can see from uh, individuals' perspective, uh, we cover the standard areas of physical health and safety. Uh, the types of so electrical equipment you use, desk chairs, monitors, headsets, workstation setups, your posture, uh, pretty key because already, for instance, in some of the organizations and insurance companies that we know, uh, RSI, uh, backstrain are all increasing. Uh, plus, of course, with some of our customers who provide uh, mental health and support services, uh, volumes too are increasing yeah. um, and this is uh, so what we really want to do with the remotability is we wanted to a work through all the different areas that are important to ensure that you're working well uh, that you've got the right constructs in place to work safely and healthily and then also mental health but I'll come to that in a second. Now, what is also important with remote work is that in the traditional health and safety spaces, Julia, you'll find people saying we are lone workers, meaning you have an electrician going out to a from a company going out and working on customer side. But that's now we also have the condition where you have individuals who, for various reasons, might be working alone. At home, okay. and this this is a slightly different risk that the organization faces, uh, because, for instance, we had one of our customers who had a team member who had been working alone and um, and had passed away. Uh, nobody knew for uh, for about two days. Yeah, okay. and so there are so we oh. need to understand uh, there are some constructs that we need to look at when working alone, and especially um when we're working remotely so we also we also have um in you know traditional areas of lighting heating cooling ventilation connectivity is key so everybody goes for that and then secondly the most important piece is the world's beginning to contend with this but there is this issue of data collection ethics and privacy and whilst you have gdpr uh, and there is now it's much more uh, it's much more critical because some of us have our own devices and we move between different uh, you know from work to uh, work to being social. So there are several uh, issues that are cropping up and what an individual needs to understand around this. Um, there is also now with remote work you might have the same individual now working for many organizations and that's changed the way they need to account uh, their taxation their insurances have all now need to be considered so we provide a checklist so that. it's a very comprehensive tool um and uh, and then yes and then from a personal productivity so i was talking about 
disciplines, uh, or probably not in this forum, but for to be a remote worker, you need discipline. It is not like before. You now need to know what you need to do from the time you get up to the time you get to bed. It has to be structured. The moment you deviate from that structure causes a whole range of uncertainty and uh, and basically loss of productivity and and being. So this is this is pretty important uh, from a mental health perspective. So we focus on what what you need to do to stay productive, how you need to connect with people, and uh, also what you need to do for your mental and physical physical and mental well being. So that's from an individual's perspective. From an organization's perspective, now this has left this whole COVID has left organizations large and small dealing with this significant, uh, uh, dealing with sort of significant issues that they've not had to deal with before. Um, so this, the traditional tools of uh, collaboration and uh, communication may has changed. Uh, and although they may have had it in place, they've expanded it out. Uh, there are also new technologies that now they need to include, like workforce management. Uh, and then uh, a lot of the queries and a lot of the discussions we're having with our current customers is them saying, look, we want to use remotability as a standard to be able to align to to provide the right remote work uh, policies and procedures for our team. So attendance and availability means, you know, quite different yeah. when you're working remotely. Uh, absenteeism means different. The kind of codes of conduct that you need. For instance, um, uh, bullying and harassment happens even if you're working remotely. So there are some conditions now that organizations need to be thinking about in terms of how we actually put this together. What are the key areas that we need to consider? What are the policies that we need to put in place around bullying and harassment digitally? Um, there's also the issue where uh, they've now got a new recruit who's not coming to office. He may have come in one once, and they really don't understand the constructs of the organization. How do you run and, and train and induct somebody who, does, who's, who doesn't really understand or get culture? Yeah? Um, how do so? There are all these elements now that need to come into place. And again, I say to people, look, it is all there. It just needs structure. And once you've got structure, you can then begin to implement. But the first important piece is understanding it. Yes, Julia. You so organizations it. and individuals are, are going uh, through the questionnaire. What comes out of it? Right. So let me get you, let me take you in here straight away. Let me see. Let me tell you what. So we've got two sets of licenses. One is for the organization. One is for the individual. So if you've got 10 individuals in your organization, you'll have 10 licenses plus one license for the organization. And as I mentioned to you earlier, here are the different areas that the um, organization license will cover. So remote working, uh, attendance, uh, policies and procedures around confidentiality, 
again and data protection uh how you use social media how you uh, uh you know in terms of traveling working alone um mental health uh, and importantly even in um organization that we know that's got about uh, 30000 employees globally they don't have all documents all policies and procedures related to remote working in one place and with small organizations they don't have they don't have the capability or capacity at all so we've got the ability to include documents and policies and procedures in one place so that it can be used as a reference portal for them uh, from and at the end do they get do they get a uh, uh, one report like a number which yes. says uh, 7.5 out of 10 and these are the areas that you still need to work on yes yes Julia. so uh, let, let me come to that for once in one second because it will be useful for your viewers to also see uh how how it how the numbers are generated how the tool operates so for instance, here are the different sections that uh, the workspace area covers. We call it the five-factor area. So we've got workspace, environment, and tech, those areas that we talked about. And this is the uh, these are the areas that the tool covers. Again, we've got the ability to enable a team member to upload images of their workspace, uh, upload images of any documents or documents that they have, so that it the company now or the manager that has the, the manager the organization has now got a view of what their workspace setup looks like in some countries it's mandatory to provide maps at least detailing where your workspace is in relation to exits and uh, fire hazards and so on and so forth so this provides organizations with the ability to bring all that information in one place otherwise it's stuck in some either in man and manager's email or in hr or they can't really find it so it's a huge advantage for organizations uh, to be able to have everything in one place how the tool works is that and this is which is this is where this is what's important is that you are now engaging your team member with these questions it's not it is a checklist it is it is also saying hey look do you if, if you if you say you've got all powerpoints uh, that are in good condition do you have search protectors on your power boards right if you say no well then what you can do is you can give yourself you have what's called the assessment option so we use a structured uh, the traditional financial audit approach to uh, uh, to actually work through the tool so it, it, it may form a checklist but it's also working through uh, and understanding areas where we need to attend to and build a task list as you go along and this is useful because what we are doing in this process is that we are also having the organization understand globally what their needs are at an individual team and organization level and i'll come to that in a second so this you this task begins you can you can assign yourself a task you can assign uh, your head of hr or your health and safety person in this case or the, the it person you can uh, you can assign a task and you begin to then build these tasks once you work through the two which by the way shouldn't take one more than one and a, one to one and a half hours yes it is not a, it is not something that you can 
you know, pick off in 10 minutes, right? But usually you want to give it some thought because remote work is your life. You want to be able to make sure that you've got all the necessary uh, conditions in place. And once you've, once you've done that, within that one hour, you will get very quickly, you can begin to understand, first of all, whether you are remote work worthy. Yeah? So you've got to immediately, you, you understand whether you're remote worthy. And then what you're also able to do um, is very quickly say, look, we are, yeah. uh, we are above this global standard or we are in terms of remote work capability. So this report, so we get several reports, but this report tells you where you sit globally. Uh, it then gives you an overview of those five key areas. So your score versus the global benchmark. Um, it then you can then dive down to the details. So uh, you know, making it easy, the workspace monitors, keyboards, mouses, all of that. Uh, you can again in each of those subsections, you've got your remote ability score and you've got the global benchmark. Um, mental health, likewise, again, a table that's color coded to make it easy for you to read for yourself. Um, your top five key performing areas and your areas that you need to focus on. Um, then you get down to the detail of the questions. Um, so you can see what you've, uh, where you've, uh, what you answered, and if you've said no or you've responded in some way, you can say, you know, do I have a smoke detector alarm, uh, 1.10.9, um, um, and do we check it annually at least? And I, and some people don't check it, uh, some people do. So you know, you've got, you got, you can actually go down to the detail of the questions that you responded to. Again, that uh, the table provides you a color-coded uh, maturity scale that says, look, you know, there are four areas that are that require focus, like in basic, um, and and so on. What you also to make it much easier again, uh, and I keep reiterating the fact that we want structure, we want speed, we want to be able to understand quickly what our needs are. Uh, what we need to do, and when we do that, we can become safe, healthy, and productive. Um, and that's that really is the important uh, focus for us. I'm uh, curious. You you mentioned the benchmark at around eighty three percent or somewhere there, right? Just at the start, is this uh, a desired state, the benchmark, or is it where most companies are? That's the average. So, uh, on average, companies so are 86% uh, ready. Currently, it's, sure. it, it's, it's the desired state. Okay. And where do, you f where do you find the rest of the population being? What are they so, on an average? Yeah, so it's, it's been quite interesting. Uh, in the organizations that have now completed uh, remote ability, uh, the range from small to medium scale, right, has moved. The small to medium scale organizations uh, sit between a low of 60, 
7% to 85% roughly um, in terms of remote work capabilities, right? Uh, so 85 is the top end for small and medium scale type organizations. Uh, whereas 68 to 87% are in the larger organizations. However, uh, statistics, as you know, uh, can be lies. Uh, what is really coming through to us is that regardless of the type of organization, you have a range of individual capabilities within that organization. And what it's telling the organizations and what it's telling us is that just because you've got a wellness program that uh, you're delivering across the board, it is not meeting everyone's needs because you need to be a lot more specific. Um, and so if I might again uh, go back to uh, uh, sharing my screen, if you don't mind, because there in, in, in here is a very important, um, uh, bear with me. So this is, the, uh, this is the report for the organization. Uh, there's a lot of depth in this, but what I would like to talk to you and you talked about what is it that this 30 odd percent are missing, and you can see that here. So what this report also does is it looks at, for instance, uh, if you've got a team across and to the, some of the questions you asked me earlier about benchmarks as well. So imagine if you've got 30 or 60 teams across your across your organization, you can see how that particular team's faring. You can see what the, um, their score is, the average score across those teams are. You can you know what the global individual score is. And then importantly, uh, you know what uh, the score as an organization, what your organization has scored against a global benchmark. And it's giving it context. So imagine if you had 30 odd teams or 100 teams, you now know how your team sits. Uh, you also have, you also now know where your individual sit. So you know where your top 5% is and where your bottom 5% is. So it gives you an indication, again, uh, overview for organizations to report on. And one of the uh, key feedbacks that we've got from us, from CEOs, is that, look, for the first time, I can actually hand on heart uh, say, uh, I believe my people are working, 90% of my people are working well remotely. They got the right remote work capability. And in today's context, that is what the board would now need to hear. Uh, and they need to hear it immediately. They don't want long essays. They want to know, you know, what is it? What is it? Where are we at? What is it? Uh, you know, how is the individual faring? Because we do care for the individuals. Um, how are the individuals faring? How are the teams faring? How do we support managers? And to that, so to your question about, okay, what's, what's, what is the challenge for the 30 odd percent? And not necessarily 30 odd percent, it could be right across the organization. So what this, what, what this element of the report does, it, it says, here are your top 20 issues. So for instance, we do know that um, right now, one of the greatest challenges as far as IT is concerned, and in this particular case, it's actually a real organization, people clicking on um, links, on bringing in images, working with 
websites that they shouldn't be doing. And it's about making sure that we are educating a certain, you know, we're we are educating the people that are. And, and as scammers, as, as digital theft, digital uh, fraud is getting, is, has increased, we need to have specific communications. We need to be very specific around what is it that we need to look at. So, so this is what this organization has begun to do is they've begun to you know, specifically communicate what to avoid, how to detect, uh, and what to be aware of in terms of fraud. We see a lot of these things, but we want it, it needs to be specific. So the other piece they found is that people are working 8, 10, 12 hours without actually doing anything. So they're running forced programs. Not everybody, but there are people who, who sit a long time in the day. So you want to be targeted at these people because they can be, they can be your CEO uh, who is sitting 8, 10, 12 hours a day. You need them. They need to get out and, you know, so it's about being able to target. It's about having the information quickly available to be able to use your resources because a lot of all, and one, one HR person said, look, we spent a lot of time putting, pulling a lot of training, a lot of these programs together. Uh, that's a lot of money. And, uh, and we don't really have budget for remotability. And then when they, they did get the budget and do it, they're saying, look, I wish we had done this before because we now have a structured approach to go and ask for resources, for budgets. And we also can see, we can actually map uh, what, are, what the impacts, impact of our uh, actions have been. So, you know, making, we can now track it over time. So what the tool also allows you to do is to take a step in terms of, um, you know, how the organization is faring, how each individual is faring, how teams are faring uh, over a period of time. So just because you did a remotability in August this year uh, and you put some things in place, things may not have changed or things might have changed. And so the value of your investments, um, your focus resources on investing in these particular needs um, makes for a healthier, productive workforce. You have set the benchmark yourself. Are you building one right now so you can afterwards compare companies, smaller companies to medium and to large companies in different industries? Uh, so, Julia, what I should have clarified is that whilst the benchmarks, in the benchmarks, there are some definite government and legal directives that is a yes or a no. So, you know, you do need to have, for instance, yes. uh, you know, a for first sure. aid box. I mean, some countries, but it's a definite yes or no. Either you have it or you don't. If you've got a, a fire alarm, it's a yes or a no. So that's, a, you know, you, so that's a definite. Uh, what we are now building, and you can see it coming through in our tool, and that's the value of our tool, is that we've now been able to build that benchmark that it's automatically our algorithms automatically generate what that benchmark is and okay. so it does compute what us what is a what is a given as well as what's uh, what practices are in place so that it's beginning to calibrate uh, against well it's bringing it's 
basically uh, calculating what the benchmark is. So it has some fixed numbers and numbers that are evolving. I understand. And um, do you have any idea how many companies have taken the the survey and the audit until now? And uh, are they are they from all over the world? Are they mostly from uh, New Zealand or Australia? So uh, so they are from they are from around the world. Uh, the U.S., Canada, New Zealand, Australia. Um, we've even got one company in China. Um, and yeah, so we, off the top of my head, I can't remember the number of companies, but we've got approximately now uh, 5,000 plus um, uh, team members who are using the tool. Very nice. So I, I think, think you can get a, some really interesting uh, data soon uh, out of it. Well, certainly. I mean, one of the pieces of data I was looking at uh, was, you know, what were the three remote working key remote working issues? And the first thing that stood out from an organization perspective is that there is a, there is a challenge for many organizations to have the right policies and procedures uh, and uh, the right comms tools, the right uh, accounting tools in place. Uh, for, that's for a significant sure. challenge. That is a significant challenge. And I've heard about uh, taxation uh, multiple times. I think it's it's always on the, on the lips of uh, HR at least. Make sure that employees are paying taxes where they should and that they are paying laws in the states that they are supposed to be living in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many organizations are able to do that, who have been operating globally are doing that. But there are lots of organizations uh, who have now begun to make use of the wider availability of remote work resources. Earlier, you may have been only thinking about your country. Now you've got a wider base. uh, And payments, um, taxes, all of those considerations now have to come into place. And which is the biggest problem from a productivity perspective? The biggest problem? Or the biggest questions? Look, the biggest problem is that organizations, managers not being able to define what output is actually required. It's also followed up by the issues of teams communicating and collaborating to deliver what what those outputs are. So for instance, if you're pulling together a communications project, uh, you need different team members to come together. And it's about being able to set tasks and deadlines, no different. But the challenge is that I, in quite often, I don't have the ability to see what you're doing or I don't know where you're up to. And so making sure that you have the right collaborative tools, the right communication platforms, no doubt, defining what output is required by when, uh, and team members being encouraged to communicate. And this is something that Some people do well, some people don't. 
So it's about being able to encourage everybody to be able to communicate at an even keel so that wherever you are, you know what the other person's doing, you're aware of the other person's challenges, uh, and you are committing to delivery times. Uh, and you obviously know what you're doing. If you've got that, then you've got your right, I mean, you're on your pathway to productivity. But underscoring, underpinning any productivity is uh, making sure you've got the right environment, uh, making sure that you teach children, dogs, and cats not to come and interrupt. Uh, or, you know, uh, create the spaces for you. It's a new, it's a new world. And uh, in spite of these six months, there's several people, because you can't change a household in a hurry. You know, it takes a while. Uh, and so, you know. It takes so a while and it takes a budget as well. And it takes a budget. And um, and oftentimes it might just be now a one-person one income household. Whereas they, it may have been, you know, before. What's next for, for snapshots and remote ability? Right. Uh, firstly, snapshots will, I, I think customer service will continue. Uh, and snapshots being aligned to the ISO 18295 customer service standard, digital standards globally. Uh, we just uh, growing, our customer base is growing. And the fact that it's been now available, I mean, has been available online. Um, organizations are consuming it more than what they did before online tools and snapshots is growing and will continue to grow. Um, as far as remotability is concerned, uh, whilst nobody can predict the future, uh, just because you are remote work capable today, it doesn't mean that you're not, you're remote work capable in six months time. Um, so there is an onus of responsibility for organizations and individuals to maintain that capability. And to be able to do that, you need a structured assessment. And that's what remotability will do. So if according to predictions, we are going to have a blended remote work environment into the future, uh, we believe that remotability will continue to be. Uh, but from a from our from our and my own perspective, uh, what these last six months has also done for us is it's provided us with other opportunities for products and services that um, that are not available anywhere else in the in the world, uh, just like snapshots and remotability, uh, where we can actually provide a need. Uh, we can do it. We can do it comprehensively we can do it uh, faster and the important piece is to be able to deliver value to uh, the individual and the organization and governments are you working with governments yes indeed we have several government organizations local government organizations uh, who um, who are who not only i mean who use snapshots in fact just the recent of recent times we had a webinar about where government and uh, banking uh, government and banking sector customers came together to talk about uh, how they are looking to map their uh, journeys forward and what they are looking to do with their remote workforce um, so what many government organizations um, have almost got a hundred percent 
of their contact centers now remote, remote working. Uh, and so, you know, a combination of remote work uh, and service delivery is what's going to be there for the future. So, yes. For sure. And this is what everyone is, is saying, that the hybrid will be the future. And this is um, what they are thinking of implementing. And some have already started on this path. Uh, Deepak, any words of wisdom from someone who sees inside the companies and understands what are the challenges that they are facing with moving something that our listeners should uh, should remember um, I think the most important piece to remember is that nothing stays the same uh, and I think in the words of Prince not even the September rain um, and we need to think holistically. So the more organizations move out of their siloed thinking uh, that, you know, look, we are health and safety, we are HR, we are tech, we are um, other parts of the organization. If we can look at it holistically and go, look, uh, here are all the requirements, the investments that we need to make and the productivity that we need to deliver what our stakeholders are, have tasked us to do, uh, regardless of whether we are uh, whether we are government or, or private sector. Uh, if we can break down those barriers, um, I think that's, that would bring value to the stakeholders and customers that they're serving. Uh, that, I think, is the greatest challenge. We have been conditioned by our thinking of the past and the way we've been doing things in the past, but remote work now offers us a significantly new platform to retool and rethink uh, the way we deliver goods and services to our customers. Thank you so much for today. For those who want to get in touch, how can they reach out to you? Uh, we've got, uh, please reach out on my email. That's just simply Deepak, D-E-E-P-A-K at C-X snapshots.com. So snapshots spelled with a C-X-S-N-A-P-S-H-O-T-Z-Z.com. I'll make sure to include it in the description. And can I include your LinkedIn link as well? Are you reachable? Please, include, please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. And of course, our website is www.cxsnapshots.com uh, as well, which I'm, I'm sure you might include in your... Yes, for sure. For sure, I will. <laughs> so Thank please feel so free to reach out to me. I'm, uh, I'm happy to uh, have any conversation from, uh, that you might want to have. Uh, we've got a lot of data across this whole spectrum uh, and happy to share some of the findings and to make your work and your life easier. Thank you so much, Deepak. Thank you very much, Yulia. I appreciate the time and the opportunity.